The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. What is the secret to success in life? Now, I could just pause right there and let you guys think about it for a moment. And some of you would just go, there is no secret to success, but I'm actually to give it to you. There is a secret to success, so what is it? Why is it that some people manage to succeed and rise above all of the challenges, all of the difficulties? They, they go through the same impossible things as the rest of us. They just seem to flourish through it. They seem to be able to stand up when the rest of us stay down. They, they seem to succeed above and beyond the circumstances while the rest of us just wallow kind of in self-pity and frustration. So why is that some people succeed when others don't? And what is the key? What separates those from everyone else? And before you just kind of like tune out on me and you think that this is one of those sermons that's just kind of a a self-help, I'm gonna make, you know, I'm gonna give you the answer to succeeding in life. Just stay with me because I'm really talking about success in life, not necessarily how to get rich or how to, you know, live your dreams, but truly how to live a successful life. And so I I wanna jump into a quote that I borrowed from a business article. But there's there's an interesting key in it that I wanna use as I continue with my message. The author wrote this, the common denominator of success, the secret of success of every man who has ever been successful lies in the fact that he formed the habit of doing the things that failures don't like to do. Now, some of y'all, you should just screenshot that and just think about that for a while. You don't even need, probably need to hear the rest of my sermon. You just need to sit there and be like, but, but here's the thing. You will think about it, but this doesn't say the habit of thinking things that failures don't think. No, the challenge is the habit of doing things that failures don't like to do. It's not that successful people like doing these things. It's just that they do the things everyone doesn't like doing. So here's the challenge for success to to be successful. You gotta figure out what you and others don't like doing and then do it. But why don't we do it? Because we're in a hurry, right? We live in a world of instant popcorn, instant, you know, fast food where, I mean, if you think about it, if you have to wait in the drive-through more than like 30 seconds, you are frustrated. And this is in a pandemic when you could basically only get, you know, drive-through. And and like, we're like, come on, come on, come on. Uh, At one point, I, I, I got so frustrated sitting at stoplights and I started to time it. At what point do I get frustrated at a stoplight? Do you know that it takes about 30 seconds before you start thinking you're sitting there too long. 30 seconds! Some of y'all, you're joining us online, and you literally, you you start tuning out if we don't keep you engaged after like 30 seconds. Man, just stay with us. All right, for those of you joining us online, man, we are so grateful for you. We love you. We know that you're a 
passionate part of the Lifehouse community for each of you. Man, I want you to stay engaged with me tonight. But my challenge is this. We are in such a hurry. We want instant success, instant fame, uh, instant promotion. We want everything fast. And here's the challenge. Hurry is the enemy of true life success. Why? Because hurry will keep you from becoming in private what you need to become in order to be who you most want to be and do what you most want to accomplish. Hang on. Hold up. I got to say that again. Hurry will keep you from becoming in private what you most need to become in order to be who you want to be and do what you most want to accomplish. And so we, we live our lives in a hurry, constantly trying to achieve and earn and save and do and work, thinking that work is the answer. There's one little caveat to what I read in that quote, and that believe it or not, the answer is, may not be in doing more, even doing more of the hard things. Jesus had spent 30 years in anonymity unknown. Here he is, God in human form, and no one knows. Now, they're about to know. After 30 years, Jesus is ready to begin his formal ministry, and so what does he do? He goes out into the desert, and he spends 40 days in fasting and prayer, preparing for the moment where he's going to make himself known to the world around him and let them know that he is the Son of God, ready to be the savior of the world. Well, while he is out in the desert in fasting and prayer, toward the end of those 40 days, Satan visibly appears to Jesus to tempt him. And one of the temptations was this very temptation, for Jesus to take a shortcut and be in a hurry, to get to the end quickly, even to shortcut the cross. So what does what Satan do? He brings him up on top of the, the, uh, the corner of the temple in the main city of Jerusalem, and he says, Jesus, you know, you want to be known by everybody as the Son of God. Why don't you just jump off, and here's what will happen. And Satan actually quotes the Bible. He quotes a psalm, Psalm 91. Now, this is recorded by the, the author Luke in, his, in the Gospel of Luke, and so in Luke chapter four, hold up guys, jump back a slide here. Um, this is what Satan says as he's quoting Psalm 91. He quotes this part. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And so what Satan is trying to help Jesus imagine is, Jesus, you want to be known by the world? You want everyone to know that you are God? Here's what you're going to do. You're going to jump off, and as you're falling, the angels are going to swoop you up. They're going to begin to lift you up so you never hit your feet against the rocks. And won't the entire packed-out city all go, oh, wow. God has showed up to us. See, there's a quick way to get where you want to go, and you don't even have to go to the cross. You just jump off the, the temple tower, and everyone will know you are the Son of God. And, and uh, in this moment, as he quotes Psalm 91, he's missing, saying on purpose, is ignoring the context of the psalm. And so let's jump back. In a moment, I'm going to read to you the key to Psalm 91, but first you have to know why this psalm was written. It was most likely written by Moses. Moses was the leader of the nation of Israel that had led the people out of slavery. 
And now, and, and Moses was a leader who he stretched out his rod and God divided the Red Sea so the people could cross on dry ground. And then the sea swallowed up the attacking armies of Egypt as they were gonna devour the people. And, and God used Moses to lead the people through the wilderness. And now they're in the wilderness and God wanted to reveal himself to the nation in a powerful way. And so he brings them to uh, the base of a mountain, Mount Sinai, where God wants to reveal himself to them and give them his laws, how to live best in relationship with God. And, but as the people saw the mountain and they saw the presence of God descend on the mountain, they heard uh, thunder, they saw lightning and, and smoke filled, like surrounded the mountain. The people became afraid of the presence of God and so they withdrew. And they said, no, no, Moses, you go up and then just tell us what God says. And so Moses goes up the mountain and he spends a significant amount of time. In fact, many say he spent 40 days up on the mountain alone with God. And then after he comes down, he writes this psalm, the psalm that Satan quoted to Jesus. He who, uh, you know, this whole idea of he will command his angels to surround you and lift you up so you don't strike your foot against a rock. And would we all not like that? To know that God's angels will surround us and lift us up. But in this psalm, there is a secret rhythm to life. Let me jump in. This is how the psalm begins. And here's the secret right here. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. He goes, you know how, what, what Moses is saying is, you know how you can be confident that when you fall, God will lift you up? You know how you can be confident that when you're about to crush, you're, gonna about, you're about to be crushed against the rocks, that God will step in and rescue you? He goes, here's how you know. When you spend time hiding in the secret place of the power of the Most High God, and you, you live under the shadow of the Almighty, when God becomes your refuge and the place where you go, to hide, then you know that God will command his angels to surround you and hold you up. Jump ahead to the end of Jesus' life. We're going to fast forward three years. Jesus was on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he is about to pray before he's crucified. And on his way, that he had just, he had just given his followers the, the Last Supper. He said, my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And as they're walking in this nighttime, in this late evening, uh, early night, they walk through a vineyard. And Jesus uses the moment to teach them the secret rhythm of life. Before they get to the garden, before Jesus is crucified. So I want you to imagine it. It's late, almost dark. They're walking through a, a vineyard. And they, they see they see. Uh, branches growing out, maybe grapes beginning to form on the branches. And Jesus teaches this. It's, it's recorded by the author John in, in the gospel of John chapter 15. Jesus says this, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. There's a secret here. This is the secret. This is a secret rhythm of life. This is the secret to successful living right here. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. They're incredibly successful in life. For without me, 
you can do nothing. Just imagine it. Can, can you see the picture of a, of a vine filled with, filled with grapes? Can you, can you see the picture of uh, a lush vineyard and what, what you can imagine is Jesus speaking and he's talking about the connection between a large vine and the branches coming off of it. Branches that are intimately connected. Branches that you can't, you can't discern where the vine ends and the branch begins. That's the kind of secret that Jesus is pointing at that is gonna keep you through the season of the garden of Gethsemane. It's gonna keep you through the season of the cross. It'll get you to the resurrection power of the empty tomb. The secret rhythm is being before doing. And so many of us get trapped in the hurry of doing, trying to get somewhere, but the secret rhythm is being before doing. Maybe take a moment and pause and write that down. If you're joining us online, maybe just type that into the comment section, or at the very least, pause and say, that's good. Maybe lean over to somebody around and say, that's good. You need to be before you do. I mean, don't, aren't you glad that your doctors had to be before they did? I mean, they call it a practice, but I'm glad they're not practicing. Right? Like, let's experiment. Now, some of you may have questions about that. But I, I would prefer that the experts in my life had to be before they did but we're in a hurry. We're trying to get somewhere. We're trying to succeed. We're trying to achieve. See, because we find our value and our meaning in what we can accomplish and achieve rather than who we can become and what God's called us to simply be. As Jesus is walking through the vineyard with the, his followers, his closest friends, his students, he would have seen some of the branches, because this is still springtime, Branches that would have fallen under the weight of the developing fruit. And, and as the branch slumps to the ground in the mud, it looks like a branch is worthless and almost wasted, and it's nearly being torn off of the vine. The branch just lays in the mud. And, and Jesus may have even reached down and lifted up one of these branches. And, and, the, and the imagery you have is what a waste. It's muddy, it's filthy, it's of no value. But what could be easily missed is that the branch is the livelihood of the vine keeper. The branch is precious. The branch is, is literally the sustenance of the vine keeper. The, the, he has no interest in just lobbing off that branch. And so Jesus in that moment, looking at muddy branches, makes this comment. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. He goes, you know what, you know what a vine keeper does? He washes the branch. He cleans it. He would wash off the fruit and then tie it up back on the trellis so that it can continue to grow. He doesn't just lob it off and say, what a worthless branch. No, he would wash it. And Jesus says, you are washed because of the word I have spoken in your life. And some of you, your, your life is muddied. You, you, you feel the dirtiness of the world around you. And it's not just that the world is dirty around you, it's that it's made you dirty inside. And the, the deep spiritual filth that we feel is called sin. Sin is the muddiness that gets on our life. And it's what causes us to fall and begin to separate and tear away from relationship with God. In fact, sin pulls us completely away from relationship with God so that we're cut off from God. 
The end result of being pulled away from and cut off from relationship with God is that we are separated from God and on a life course of death and forever ruin. But Jesus doesn't come along with the ax and just hack us off and throw us away. No, Jesus came to be lifted up on a cross to lift us up out of the mud, to wash us off with his life, which is the word with his love. So Jesus is lifted up on the cross. He dies in our place. He takes on our sin and our eternal judgment so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is washed of the mud and the filth of sin. But not just washed and cleansed so you are forgiven of sin. The relationship of Jesus the, the relationship Jesus came to die for was to bring us back and graft us back into attachment with God. Jesus died so you could have relationship with him. Jesus didn't just die. He rose from the dead. And in his resurrection, he offers us new life, that restored relationship, that grafted relationship where the branch is put back into the vine and then attached to it so that it has the life of the vine flowing through it. Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he gives us new life and forever life because God's spirit comes into our spirit. Think about it. The eternal, invisible spirit of God begins to flow in the eternal invisible spirit that you have in you, the part that can't be diagnosed or x-rayed or seen. God's spirit connects with your spirit and his life begins to flow in your life like sap flowing from the vine into the branches. This is the secret rhythm of life. And maybe you've been, maybe you've fallen into the mud. Maybe your branch is just separated from the vine and you feel lifeless and dying. I promise you, God doesn't want to just discard you. God wants to rescue you and restore you to relationship with him. And if that's where you're at right now, I want to invite you to simply say yes to Jesus. Receive that new life that comes through faith in Jesus and let us know. Honestly, right now, if you're with us in person or if you're joining us online, would you let us know that you are saying yes to that faith in Jesus Christ? You're, you're saying yes to God lifting you up and reattaching you to the vine of his love, of his goodness, of his mercy, of his death and his resurrection. And so let us know. Text Jesus, the word Jesus, the name Jesus, the 41411. Now, as, as I continue, I want to pick up right there and say, okay, now you are attached to the vine of Jesus. There is a secret to success in life. Here it is. Jesus, continue, uh, Jesus continues to teach in the vineyard, and it's found in John chapter 15, verse 4, and I'm going to read a couple verses to you. He says, abide in me, and I in you. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. And then he's gonna go on and tell you what will happen as you abide in him. The key is abiding. The secret, there's a secret to the secret place. In fact, I could go so far to say the secret is the secret place. It's not about doing, but being. So how do you be overdo? Well, here it is. The secret to the secret place is abiding. Now, this word abide has some strong meaning to it. Let, let me give you the pictures that, that Moses may have put in the psalm. He, he goes like this, like, a, like a, a mother hen who reaches out her wings and the chicks come and they hide under her wings for warmth, for safety, for, for intimacy, closeness to the mother hen. 
He says it's like, a, it's like a, a person in a village who's running for their life and they hide inside of a military stronghold because their city or their, their, their community is under attack. He goes, you abide in the stronghold. And then Jesus is, is using the picture of the vineyard and he goes, the branch abides in the vine. You, you see the picture? The picture is of, a, of chicks hiding under the hen's wings. Warmth and closeness and intimacy uh, of people hiding in the, in the shelter of a military stronghold where they find safety and protection and they have confidence that they will not be under siege or under ruin because they're hidden in the stronghold. Jesus says abiding is like a, a vine and a, 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 the branch attached to the vine where the life flows, right? This is about life-giving connection, life-sustaining intimacy. If you think about it, if you go up and you look at a tree and a branch, it's hard to discern where the branch ends and the trunk begins. Where does Jesus end in your life and your life begins? Now, here is the key. There needs to be a life-sustaining connection between you and God. It's a secret place connection. It's not something you flaunt. It's not something others can visibly see. It's a secret connection between you and God. The secret rhythm of life that brings about successful living is that you have the secret of the secret place where you are hiding in your relationship with Jesus, where there is a nourishment between you and your relationship with God, where the sap and the life of God is flowing into your life, not because you're doing, but because you are being in the, in the intimacy of your relationship with God. Some of you are trying to do religion and you're wearing yourself out. You're trying to do church. You're trying to do Bible reading. You're trying to do worship. Let me challenge you. There's not a lot you can do in abiding. You just have to be in relationship with God in his love for you. And so you are attached as you spend time in God's love, as you spend time in prayer, as you spend time in worship, not trying to do something, but just simply trying to abide in God's love like a chick under the wings of a hen, like someone in a, in a, in a community hiding in the fortress when their city is under attack, like a branch simply attached to the vine, you are in relationship with God where you are receiving nourishment. Now, let me be clear. This means, and this is going to sound crazy to some of you, you don't actually need a sermon or a church to be in relationship with Jesus. Now, it's crazy coming from a pastor speaking to a church. No, no, here's the deal. You coming together, there is a necessary other part of your relationship with God, which is community. And we have a responsibility to come together in community. It's valuable. It's necessary. I mean, the branch isn't alone. You have other branches. And we are together attached to the vine. And we need that community. But your relationship with God must be your nourishment. If you are dependent on a sermon for your nourishment, it's like going out to a restaurant when you can actually go out one time a week. It might be the best five-star restaurant around, and you might have the best meal ever, but you're still going to get hungry tomorrow. You, you, the, we have an amazing worship team. Hopefully you feel like my sermons are life-giving. They're life-nourishing, but it's not enough. 
It's not enough for our worship team to lead you in worship once or twice a week. You need to get into a time of worship alone with God where the life of God is flowing in you and it's flowing from you back into the vine of God's love because God wants to pour his goodness in you, his love in you, his mercy in your life. Now let's jump back into this passage Psalm 91, he says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What is he saying? He goes, as you're, as you're abiding, you're becoming. The secret to the secret place is becoming. Abiding so that you are becoming. Right? It's time in preparation. It's time in prayer. Because time in the presence of God is time trusting. And as you are trusting and waiting and preparing, you are becoming who God most wants you to become. And you're not the one shaping it. It's not up to you. It's not what you want to become. It's who God wants you to become as his life is flowing in you. So what are you becoming? You are, you are becoming someone who is protected in relationship with Jesus. You don't need someone else to pray for you. You know how to pray on your own. Not that no one else can pray for you, but you're not dependent on someone else to pray for you because there's an attachment between you and Jesus and you are becoming a person of prayer. You are becoming someone who can protect yourself in that relationship with God because you are attached to that relationship with God so that you don't need anyone else to fight for you, quote the word of God to you. You have such a relationship with God that he is your protection. He is your safety. He is the one who gives you confidence. You are becoming who God wants you to become. How is that possible? Because in your relationship with God, you are discovering who God is. And as you discover who God is, you begin to become more like him. Re connection with God helps you become more like God. You begin to take on the character of God, the, the nature of God. You ever notice that you begin to become like people you spend a lot of time with? For Laura and I, we're both originally from New York. And if you get around, us around New Yorkers, our accent comes back. Now, when you're from New York, you don't know that you have an accent. Everyone else around you thinks you have an accent. All right, you guys, I'm going somewhere with this. You become like who you are around. When I'm spending enough time around God, I begin to become like him. I take on the accent of God, and I don't even know I have it. Okay, here's the deal. Follow me. We're going to jump to another verse. This is where you're going to see the accent come out. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. It'll begin to come out of you, and you won't even realize it. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the secret on your own. You're gonna try really hard to be successful, but you're not gonna get anywhere because you have to have the life of God flowing in you. This, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. God wants you to take on the accent of the Father. He wants you to begin to talk like him and live like him and begin to produce the fruit of the Father in your life without you even having to try. It's to the Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples, that you hang out with people that are a lot like Jesus and you begin to talk like them and act like them and you begin to do the things that people that are around Jesus do. The point is doing is the fruit of becoming coming. Listen to me. That doesn't mean we're trying to do things. It simply means that I am not doing more. I'm allowing God to do more 
in me. And as God does more in me, it comes out of me, whether I try to make it come out of me or not. Imagine a vine keeper yelling at the branches to produce fruit. It would be silly. Maybe you have an apple tree or an orchard near your house. Imagine seeing the owner out there yelling at the trees. Come on, produce apples. Come on, produce grapes. Throw, throw up the picture of the, of the grapes again. Let's just think about this, right? How silly. Produce grapes. No. The, the branch does naturally what is in it to accomplish. You don't have to try to do good or try to say the right things. If, if it's not naturally coming out of you, you need to get back to the attachment. Spend more time in relationship with Jesus and it'll start coming out of you naturally. You will become, it will naturally come out of you to be and do the supernatural of God in your life as you continue to abide in Jesus and become who Jesus designed for you to become. Now, there's a, there's a little crazy thought in this something you guys may not realize, the more mature a branch becomes, the more shoots it will produce. These things are shoots. It will produce so many shoots that it can't sustain the growth, and it will, those things will eventually tear the branch down and tear it away from the vine. And so the vine keeper comes and snips off shoots so that it can produce more grapes. The goal of the vine keeper is not growth, but grapes. God's goal in your life, maturity in your life, is not just growth, meaning you doing more, but you becoming more so that more fruit comes out of you. Interestingly, as a branch ages, its potential to produce more groups, more grapes, increases. Follow me. That means the pruning has to intensify. For some of you, you're wondering why God is cutting away so much from your life. He may be pruning away the things, the preoccupations, and the distractions that are keeping you from God's best which is maximizing your fruitfulness. And you're wondering why God cut away that relationship or why he cut away that possession or why you've gone through a season of pandemic where so much was cut away. Maybe God was simply pruning you to maximize your fruitfulness because those things were distracting you and preoccupying you from the best of God in your life and the maximum fruitfulness that he wants to bring out of your life that you don't have to try to do, but you've been so busy doing so much that you have haven't been able to focus on the best of God in your life. And so God is inviting you to hide, to shelter in the secret place of the Most High so that you're abiding and becoming so that the fruit comes out of you naturally. Now listen to me. Some of you, you you've been producing fruit in your life. Greater fruitfulness creates greater pain because God has to prune more so he can produce more in your life and through your life. God's goal isn't just that you do good, but that you become good. And as you are becoming good, you will produce an even greater fruitful harvest in your life. And so my challenge to you is this. I believe that what God wants to speak over every one of you is that God loves you. He sees some of you, your branch has fallen into the mud of life and he wants to wash you and cleanse you with his love and the good news of the God. He wants to lift you up and reattach you to the things that give you strength. He wants the life of his love and his goodness and his presence to flow in you so that it can flow through you so that you spend time abiding and becoming 
And only then can you begin to do or become fruitful. But God does want your life to be fruitful. He wants to bring maximum fruit out of your life, but don't spend time trying to to make the grapes come out. Spend time allowing the sap to flow. Let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us so much that you don't walk around the vineyard with a saw in your hand or an ax just waiting to cut us off. You've come to lift us, and Jesus came to wash us and lift us and renew us and rescue us from death. And God, you've invited us to abide in this secret relationship with Jesus Christ where we are becoming who you've designed us to become so that then and only then can we produce in our life the fruit that you've created us to produce. And God, what we want, every one of us, is that we show off your love the most. It's to your glory. It's to your fame that our life would produce much fruit. May every one of us produce much fruit. May our lives produce great fruit, goodness and and kindness and generosity and love for others, service and selflessness. May it just begin to come out of us as we spend time becoming because we spent time abiding. We say this now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.